We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear. I'm the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. But today, I have a guest with us by the name of Marianne Mooney. I'm very blessed to have Marianne with us, and how are you today, Marianne? I'm well. How are you, Dave? It's I'm nice good. to be here. Yes, it's good to, with COVID and everything going on. This new technology is something I've had to get used to. <laughs> I'm kind of a dinosaur with technology. I think we've all learned quickly, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> everything is over Zoom or on the phone these days. Yeah. Because we're all stuck at home. Yeah. Stuff I would have been terrified of, you know, delving into when I was younger, even, but. Now you have to. So we start today, and this is your story. I've got a few notes here. Marianne is quite a gal. She was 35 years in financial services management. She got her MBA from Wilfrid Laurier University, mm-hmm. and she received the call of God to study theology, the Masters of Catholic Thought, at St. Jerome's in 2019. She currently works part-time. She changed careers and semi-retired in 2019. Volunteered for 10 years with Alpha. Is that the Alpha program? That's right, yes. Yes, at Grand Valley Institute for Women, which is the women's prison in Kitchener, Ontario. And she is now the uh, Roman Catholic chaplain at Grand Valley. And I understand that's part-time as well. That's right, very part-time, Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very important, to re- yeah. nonetheless. Yes, um, it is. She's involved with the Mennonite uh, Central Committee for Restorative Justice Department. And there's two programs with that. Faith Community Reintegration Program through the London Parole Office, mm-hmm. and Circles of Support and Accountability in Kitchener, Ontario. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> really, my main interaction with Refuge Ministries has been through that Faith Community Reintegration Program. Yes. Dave, I, I, I met Alan when I first started working in London in that program, and he's been a great partner. Refuge Ministry has been a great partner for those folks at London Parole who are reintegrating, right? After they've yes. been incarcerated, they're trying to reintegrate in a healthy way back into the community. And I've really appreciated what Refuge Ministries has done with us. One thing that we are really uh, happy to get from Refuge Ministries are these beautiful hygiene kits 
so that everybody who's been released and into the London Parole Office gets this Ziploc bag and it's filled with all the basics that you need, you know, toothpaste and toothbrush and shampoo and soap and deodorant and all the things you need when you're just trying to get a fresh start. So uh, really thanks. Thanks to Refuge Ministries for that. So pleased to be. It is great. It's really a way for the community, the faith community to say to people who are reintegrating, you're welcome here and we care about you and we're happy to help you. It's such a wonderful Mm. uh, thing that Refuge Ministries does for us there. We're all part of the same community. eh? We really are. We really are. And we want to show people who are trying to get a fresh start that they have support in the community. I have another church that does another wonderful thing. They provide me with a a large bin full of cleaning supplies so that when someone is moving out of a halfway house Mm -hmm. and they're moving into their own apartment or their own room somewhere, you know, they get all the soaps and the cloths and all the things they need to start out there because that stuff's expensive. Oh, but yeah. that church is 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 able to say, you know, here, we're trying to get you a, a fresh start out in the community mm-hmm. as well. That's Woodfield Community of Christ in London that does so that important, for us. isn't it? It is, yeah. You know? Always looking for help, right? We're always looking for people who can support these folks. And so I'm really appreciative. I think the faith community in London is very welcoming, very oh, good sure. to, to these There's folks. a lot of strength yeah. there. Yeah. So many different churches across the family Mm -hmm. of God. You know, there's so many churches uh, stepping up right now and helping with all kinds of things. There's so much need with somebody who has been incarcerated for ID, Mm -hmm. driver's license, LTC passes, health card, and health care, right? It's true, right? All of the things that, you know, we might take for granted, that all has to be started up and put in place. Mm. Um, You know, even what I find some of my program participants need clothing, Mm. right? They come out and, uh, you know, maybe they don't have clothing that's for the right season. So maybe they went in in the spring, but they come out in the winter, they need different kinds of clothing or their weight has changed while they're, they've been inside and they've either gained or lost weight. And so I have organizations that will give us vouchers for clothing at the thrift store, the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Mm in London's been oh, yeah. very generous that way right absolutely uh, and they've given us vouchers for furniture for people who are moving mm-hmm. out of the halfway house and into their own place as well so I, just another way of saying to folks who are reintegrating mm-hmm. we're supporting you mission right? services of London does yeah. a lot and through the mission store uh, Salvation Army is yeah, fantastic Army, too, uh, right all the Arcade places. Street Mission was mm-hmm. donations. That's for sure. There's yeah, all I've... kinds of connections we can make for people. You know, mm-hmm. I had a young man uh, break into my shed this morning in the backyard. Oh and, goodness! Yes, so I had an opportunity to drive him home, pray for him, and connect him mm-hmm. with some different services, uh, along with the methadone clinic and things. He's on fentanyl and a lot of tears. And I prayed for him. And he said, if there's a God out there, this is it. This has got to be God, because I thought you're going to break my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, he broke into the right shed, didn't that's he? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good so for you. That's we're going to ask you to start with your story a little bit, uh, a little bit of your background, uh, how you started out in life and how, how you had that sort of uh, epiphany or that awakening experience spiritually, and then what your life has been like since. Yes, I'm a cradle Catholic. 
uh, Dave. I was born into a farming family Beautiful. in a little place called Langton, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And I went to a Catholic school. I received all my sacraments. I was a good Catholic girl, right? Worked on the farm uh, with mom and dad in the summertime and everything. And so I guess I would say I've always loved God since I was a little girl. And I had great parents and grandparents as faith models for me. But I especially still think about my maternal grandmother. She was such a wonderful example because she had been a refugee as a little girl. Uh, my, my family heritage is Belgian. And during the First World War, the fighting was right near the village where my grandma and my grandpa, who were both little children at the time, lived. My grandmother's family fled to the south of France. They were refugees. And, she, and that experience never left her. And I think what it did for her was really cement her faith in God. And then when my mother immigrated with her family, my grandma and my grandpa left just before the Second World War and came to Canada and brought their young children. My, my, my mother was three years old at that time. And my grandma, you know, was in Canada all those years, always homesick, always a little anxious, but always put her faith in God. And I noticed it. She couldn't speak English all that well. She could, but not all that well. But she was so faithful and she would go to mass every morning before she started her day. And she told me once when she was in the nursing home, she prayed the rosary every day for her grandchildren. She had 26 grandchildren and she prayed for all of us every day. Beautiful. So I think now that I'm a grandmother, I think, how can I plant seeds like that in mm -hmm. my grandchildren, right? How can I influence their little lives to love God too? You know, I had a long business career and uh, for a long time, my faith was something that was very private to me and I didn't talk about it a lot because, you know, in the business world, there's all of these boundaries and things and you think you can't mention it. But I guess as I got older, I thought, you know, what really matters here, right? What example? am I supposed to be in the world? And so, you know, as you mature, you're not as quiet about what you believe in. A little reevaluating. Yeah, exactly. So somewhere along the line, as my career was moving through, I mean, I love school anyway. I love to be educated. And I'd done my MBA part-time, but something started in my brain to say, you know, there's something else you need to do, you need to learn. And it was the Holy Spirit, I'm positive, because it wouldn't go away. And I, I thought I need to study more about my faith. So I went and talked to a few people who recommended the program I studied at St. Jerome's, which is part of uh, the University of Waterloo. And I got this theology degree. And I remember my mom saying to me, what are you going to do with that? Right? I was <laughs> in my 50s. <laughs> I was working, I had this, you know, big job in financial <laughs> services. And what are you doing with that? But I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I know I have to do it. God has a plan. Right? Yes. God has a plan. Right, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you. So I listened. I try to be very attentive to the Holy Spirit. As I've gotten older, I've realized you have to pay attention. Mm. And discernment is part of uh, an important process for us as Christians. We really have to pray and talk to other you know, the saints of the world, right, about what we think we should be doing, get good counsel from good people. And I did, and I did this degree. And then, so interesting, just as I'm finishing this degree, 
month later, there was a corporate restructure and my role was eliminated where I was working. And it was the day after my 60th birthday. And I thought, okay, what am I to do now? And I can't tell you how surprised I was to have this work with Mennonite Central Committee show up for me. The chaplain at Grand Valley Institute for Women, who knows me very well, said, you know, there's this part-time role. You've got your theology degree. You know how to work with people who've been incarcerated. What do you think about this job? And I applied and here I am. Right. So that's what I did with that degree <laughs> and that background and, exactly. and the volunteer work with Alpha at the prison prepared me a lot. I was 10 years as a volunteer wow. in chaplaincy at GBI. It's a beautiful and program. It really is. Alpha mm-hmm. is an amazing program and it's run out in the community, as you know, all over. And it's really powerful inside the institutions as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. people who have gone through something as shocking as being incarcerated often, not always, but often are searching for meaning in life. And I still have I noticed, certificates from that program. Do you? Yes. Good. <laughs> Bravo. Right. Yes. It answers the big questions, right? What's yes. the meaning of my life? What's the meaning of life? And it offers an opportunity for you to discuss things with, you know, yeah. at that time it was through through the mail, through letters. Oh, was but, it? Okay. Yeah, but that was an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and it's no pressure, right? It's just yeah. small group circles talking and, you know, everybody offers their thoughts, their opinions. There's no pressure. It's a safe place is what mm. I'm trying to say yes. to talk about that. Yeah, so that's a bit about how I ended up where I am and and why I know Refuge Ministries so well. I started coming to London to help with folks who were reintegrating. I came to know Alan and Refuge Ministries. And so today, when I work with folks who are reintegrating, what I try to do is beyond meeting their material needs, as I've already described, if they're interested in connecting with a church in the community, I try and talk to them about what are they looking for, what kind of church or what kind of mosque or synagogue Mm -hmm. or whatever they're looking for. Whatever is a good fit. And help them. What's a good fit for them, right? And I'm happy to say I've had some good success because there's some very welcoming faith communities here that are are quite, you know, quite willing to embrace folks Mm -hmm and are very accessible for people who might feel like they're not worthy, right? Or might be embarrassed or might be anxious about going because maybe they haven't been for years and years. So Mm -hmm. that's my job is to help them. And if they're not interested in joining a formal community, just what other things can they do? I have so many people who want to do Bible studies, for example, Mm -hmm. and New Life Prison Ministries does Bible studies with folks who are incarcerated, and then they're quite happy to keep them going after they get out. Right. So they'll keep sending them Bible studies and receiving their written assignments and providing commentary back. And they've been a wonderful partner, too, to Mm -hmm. have people do that. Right. So whatever they need from a faith perspective, that's what I try to do for my participants, for my program. It's all about community. And uh, as you're expressing to me, we're of like mind about that. It is surrounding people with support. And, you know, that goes from one extreme to the other. You know, we're all humans. We all need each other. 
And it takes a community to raise a child. It takes a community to sustain a person through life. And, and that's what is missing at times through our lives is we find ourselves out of community. We find mm-hmm. ourselves isolated and needing that, you know. So I really appreciate what you do because you're restorative. You're restoring people into the community. Yeah, that's right. And the word restorative is really important because the program that I'm in or the department that I'm in at Mennonite Central Committee is the restorative justice department. Beautiful. Right. So it's all about, you know, when when something happens, it it damages relationships, right? And and often our formal justice system forgets uh, about all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. You commit a crime against the crown. The crown is the one that's, you know, meeting out the justice, but we forget about those who've been harmed. Yes. And what do they need? Mm-hmm. And how can they be restored? And who's accountable? And how can they restore things? And then how's the community been harmed? And how can the community address what maybe some of the more substantial issues are in society to just heal everything, right? And so Absolutely. restorative justice asks all those kinds of questions. I'm a huge supporter of restorative justice, you know, from being on both sides, both ends, all different ends in life myself. and. You know, I, I just have a lot of respect for the whole mentality, uh, thought process behind restorative justice. It's a community-based, um, and again, like you say, it's bringing everyone together. At, there are times it's, it, it doesn't work. There's times where mm-hmm. there's no spot for it, uh, people aren't receptive, but it's controversial, you and I both know, but I've seen leaps and bounds accomplished through it and healing that otherwise would not have been there. Yeah, it may be controversial, but it is healing, as you say. It doesn't neglect the victim. In fact, it it looks at who's been harmed and what do they need. So I think it's misunderstood. It is. I think it's it's often misunderstood as being too focused on who's done the harm, but really it's about what has happened mm-hmm. to everyone and how can we ensure that there is no more harm done. Right. And how can we restore those who have been harmed? What do they need? Right. Mm. And so one thing I've learned, you know, as in my Christianity, in my maturity of that is that we shouldn't judge. Right. Yes. Right. Like, and it's so easy, especially when you're someone like me who's had a, a history of being, you know, good. Right. So what are the what are the traps or the kinds of things I would do wrong? Well, I wouldn't rob a bank, say, and I wouldn't maybe harm someone physically, but I would be proud and I would be judgmental, right? And mm-hmm. I would be critical yeah. and I might gossip. That's the temptation. It's and very, very much so. I remember myself that like lights coming on and realizing at one point that I was judgmental of other people. And there was a, a verse I was reading in the Bible. Bible. And one fellow came to God and he said, thank God that I'm not that guy over there who's begging. And he said, you know what? You're worse because you just said that. You just judged him. You know? no. I'm like, oh, man. So, you know, no. we have many times, or I've had many times in my life where God has opened my eyes and shown me different things that I had that I didn't know were there. A lot of our listeners today might be hearing things we're talking about. There might be some lights coming on and saying, wow, you know, but this fellow this morning in my shed, I said to him, what are you doing? And he said, I was cold. And I couldn't help but think about Christ's words. I was mm-hmm. cold and you clothed me. And I thought, right. oh boy, here I am all angry. <laughs> Anyways, 
and I was in prison. Yes. And you visited me. Yeah. I have this beautiful sculpture that I got from a, a, an artist, Timothy P. Schmaltz, right? Mm-hmm. He's uh, done wonderful contemporary sculptures. In fact, some of his work is at the Vatican and Rome and in other churches uh, mm-hmm. all over the world. But this one for me is so meaningful because it's two hands holding on to cell bars and one hand is reaching out and the wound of Christ is in the palm of that hand. And it's reminding me, right? Mm-hmm. Christ was in prison and Christ is in each one of us, Mm -hmm. and we're all made in the image and likeness of God, right? And and in the in the work I do, I don't don't hear all the stories, but what I do hear is enough to know that it's wrong to judge people, right? It's better to listen and and understand and and try to help. But I feel like uh, you know I've been judgmental too. And as you were telling me the passage in the Bible that was your aha moment, I was thinking, you know what mine was? It's um, it's the parable of the prodigal son. And that older son, he's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I was always the good girl, right? Yes. I didn't break the rules. I didn't do you know. And yet. Things happened even to, you know, to good people, but you can stand in judgment of others until something happens to you or you see people whom you love to whom it happens and you realize "Mm, there's nothing wise about being judgmental. Yeah. (laughs) But for the grace of God, there go I was a saying my grandpa used to say. Yeah. And I didn't understand it. And then the lights came on for me. Yes, uh, there's such a fine true. line The people listening today. They think black and white and they think I've been good. You know, I've done this and that mm-hmm. little things, but I'm pretty, pretty much a, a good person. But it isn't about that. It isn't about how good we are. It's about our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God. And so that no man can boast of his good works. Mm-hmm. We're all equal. Doesn't matter what you've done or how bad it was or how not so bad it was, we all fall short of the glory of God and we, we need do. his forgiveness and his grace. Mm-hmm. That's true. We all do. We all need that. Right? Is there something you could say today, Marianne, that you would leave with listeners that's something important to you that you've learned over the years? Yes. I mean, as we've just been saying, I would say, you know, the great commandment is so simple, right? Love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. No exceptions, right? Don't judge others. That's what I would say to me if if I could talk to me in my 20s, right? (laughs) Don't judge. Love everyone. Everyone, even the ones who are different from you, even the ones you don't understand. Because you're right, they're but for the grace of God. Go why? Yeah, I think that's what I would I would say. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's that simple, I think. Awesome. Well, we're out of time, and I'm going to thank you profusely for spending your time with us today to share your story and being vulnerable. And I'm sure there's someone listening today that has been touched by the things you've said and by the power of God. Again, Marianne, Godspeed with what you're doing. I'm so blessed that uh, we get to work together a little bit here and there, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to more of that in the future. Thanks for being with us on Refuge Freedom Stories. Thank you, David. It's been great to chat with you. I'll keep you in my prayers. Thank you. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise.
I was sitting in my kitchen alone the other night, thinking about old time, close call in my life. Through a crack in my past, I clearly saw the love of a friend got me through it all. A friend indeed is a true friend indeed, and it's something that cannot be bought. When you're down on your knees, a friend is all you need, and that's when a little means a love. Oh, oh, that's when a little means a love. Now there's a fine balance to where we all stand right now. The reflection in my mirror could be six feet in the ground, and the man in the mansion could be the man out on the street. The difference, the timing of a heartbeat. Oh, a friend in need is a true friend indeed. And it's something that cannot be bought When you're down on your knees A friend is all you need And that's when a little means a love Oh, oh that's when a little means a love indeed it is something that cannot be bought when you're down on your knees a friend is all you need and that's when a little means a love oh, oh, that's when a little means a lot again that's when a little means a I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show so until next Friday may God richly bless you with peace love and happiness we at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com 
or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.